Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. This is the FinOps Open Source and FinTech Podcast, and I'm your host, Grizz Griswold, Marketing Manager for the FinTech Open Source Foundation, or FinOps. We hope that your 2021 is off to a great start and we're continuing to see a lot of activity and contributions and positive signs here around the foundation on the direction of open source and financial services. So in this podcast, our director of community, James McLeod, has a chat with Enrico Trenton and Matthew Richards of Diff Blue, primarily about the code coverage paradox, the theme of one of our most recent open source and fintech meetups. Enrico is the Diff Blue Developer Relations Lead, and Matthew Richards, or Matt, since there are apparently two Matthews at Diff Blue, um, and one just happens to be the CEO, so you know how that goes. Ha. Um, Matthew is the Diff Blue Head of Product. Diff Blue is a new Silver member of Finos and works on automating tedious and repetitive tasks for developers within unit testing. Um, and they use AI or artificial intelligence to do so. And of course, James is our director of community for Finos and host for many of our open source and fintech podcasts and meetups. So during this interview, Enrico and Matthew discuss unit testing and test-driven development, the trade-offs in software delivery for both the developer and the business size of the house, code coverage within the software development lifecycle, test quality, identifying which parts of your code introduce risk, and then AI, artificial intelligence and software development, driverless cars, Skynet, and the Terminator. Hmm. So please enjoy this interview, check out our previous episodes, and subscribe to the podcast for great upcoming discussions on open source, financial services, and fintech, and how they all fit together. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. This is James McLeod, Director of Community of Finos, and you've joined us today for the Finos podcast, where I have Enrico Trentin, Developer Relations Lead, and Matthew Richards, Head of Product at Diff Blue. Welcome, both of you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. It's no problem whatsoever. Um, so, before we get into the detail about um, Diff Blue, it'd be really great to have an introduction from both of you. So maybe if we ask Matt first to give a, a brief introduction about who you are and what you do at Diff Blue. Sure, thanks very much. Um, so my name's Matthew, I'm head of product here at Diff Blue. So I'm responsible for uh, really the, the vision of where we're going uh, with the technology, how we um, see the future um, as a company and also the day-to-day -day, uh, roadmap and backlog. So um, it's uh, exciting stuff, exciting stuff. That's great. And I understand at Diff Blue, there are actually two Matthews. So are you okay if I call you Matt today? Yes, yeah, sure, sure. That's brilliant. Thank you, Matt. Um, and Enrico, please um, introduce yourself and tell um, our listeners uh, what you do at Diff Blue. Sure. Um, so at Diff Blue, I am the uh, developer relations lead and as such, I am the voice of the developers community to the company and vice versa. I represent the company when I interface with the wider community. That's amazing. So it sounds like um, both uh, me and you do similar things, um, engaging with uh, external communities and bringing people um, together 
around uh well in my case open source but um in your case around unit testing and um diff blue correct yes so matt can you give me a brief um overview of the diff diff blue vision and also i understand you have some interesting links to oxford in the uk sure um so diff blue's a spin out from oxford university um computer science department so we were founded by professor daniel croning um from the university um really uh, the research around um automating uh, verification of software so we span out in 2016 um and our uh, series a funding led by uh, goldman sachs um has has uh, brought us to where we are today so we're we're a company of of uh, about 50 people um, based in the city still, which is fantastic. Um, although with lockdown, it's <laughs> uh, we don't get to see much of it. Um, can't wait to to get back into the office, but uh, it's um, a fantastic place to 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 be situated uh, with, with all this heritage around us of of great inventors. Um, and we're we're really looking to, um, to to transform the way developers not just um, write code, but how they think about code and how they think about what can help them to code so um, our vision is very much how do we automate uh, using AI techniques these sort of tedious and repetitive tasks for developers. That's brilliant and um, does this happen a lot at Oxford? Um, do Does the university actually engage with um, students um, around innovation and you know the products of the future? Sure. So there's a really ripe startup culture in in Oxford. In Oxfordshire as a, as a whole, there's uh, science parks everywhere. I always joke that I, I live in between a, a particle accelerator and a fusion reactor, um, but my internet is still not as good as it should be. It's um, it, it it is an amazing culture around Oxford. The, the university, but also private industry, is is always promoting uh, people to um, to to push the bounds of technology and, and that's a great heritage um, to, to be surrounded by. So it's great that Oxford University is introducing new talent into financial services um, you know and there's um, a clear vision you know to get new people into the industry that way. Enrico um, before we get into the detail of Diff Blue Cover what is unit testing and why is it important for developing software? So unit testing is a technique that software developers use to verify the correct behavior of their applications. Um, it consists in, um, it, it focuses in small portions of code and uh, which might be methods or functions depending on the language we're using um, and tests them as a, as a black box in isolation. So basically for a given input, we verify that the output is what we expect. This is important because it allows us developers to verify that the behavior of our application is what we intended and also to catch bugs and regressions before they enter our code base. When you're engaging with the software development community, do you find that a lot of developers understand unit testing or do you have to do a lot of education as well? Um, the development community definitely understands unit testing uh, and definitely understands that it's not as creative and satisfying as uh, the rest of programming. It's a bit tedious. I happen to know that 
my company has done a series of surveys and this sentiment was it, it was really present in the majority of the developers who took part in it. Um, writing test is tedious, we don't like it, and we like to focus more on the more creative and meaningful parts of, uh, of programming. And how do you actually balance um, unit testing with software delivery? Um, in my experience, I've often come across product owners or project managers who want to get products shipped faster. So how do you actually communicate that unit testing is actually vitally important in order to deliver quality code and deliver quality products? Absolutely. I have been in that position uh, in the past uh, in which uh, the deadline was so tight and we didn't have time to test. And this can be a real problem also because we can't just expect that uh, developers, which are just humans, um, get it right the first time and don't make mistake. It's just an unreasonable expectation. And as developers, this is all we can do. We can just communicate how, um, how testing is important to, to prevent uh, bugs and errors and unintended behavior. Also because unintended behavior can really have catastrophic effects. It can just delete or modify data and we might be unable to to recover after that. I think further to the, as a developer, you you see those time pressures and you, you're making trade-offs. As a, as, a, um, as a business owner though, if you don't understand that trade-off, you're taking risk that you, you, uh, you don't know you're taking that risk really. Um, often business owners see they, the importance of testing as they know that testing is, they know it's important because it's in all the textbooks, but how does that actually impact your business if you don't do it? Um, and ultimately, what is a financial figure that you can put on the cost of not doing it? It's often something that's not described to business owners. Um, so I think this trade-off that developers have to make is, is sometimes unfair because they um, are actually taking into account the, the business needs as well as the technical needs, because the business people, they may not be fully aware of the implications. Absolutely. And yeah, so Matt, um, I'd like to start moving uh, towards talking about DiffPlu Cover um, and how it falls into the software development lifecycle and how that also relates to test-driven development. Sure. So first of all, DiffBlueCover is a, uh, a tool that automatically generates human-like unit tests for, for Java. So we have two um, uh, AI engines, one that is generating the tests themselves by analyzing your code. And then the second one is generating human-like inputs to those tests. Um, so we can automate that, as Enrico was saying, that rather tedious but vital operation of writing unit tests. So we fit in in various different parts of the lifecycle. We can be on the desktop, actually in the IDE, um, accompanying, for example, test-driven development. So uh, in TDD, a developer would write the unit tests first, and then they would uh, write their accompanying source code. We all like to have this vision that TDD works like that, 
But the reality of TDD is that um, developers generally will write tests for the most complex and critical uh, functions and then write their source. But for everything else, it's very much a then unit test afterwards. So this is just the reality of, of TDD. There's very few organizations uh, prescribe 100% TDD. So we complement TDD by um, uh, letting the developer write the tests for the most critical code. The developer then writes the source um, to match that test. And then uh, we come in and we write the rest of the test suite for them. Um, so would you say that um, Diffbody Cover is an accelerator that, you know, just enhances the developer's ability to, you know, increase test coverage? We're definitely an accelerator. Um, we, so we write one test every 1.7 seconds. So uh, whereas the average time to write a unit test is about 10 minutes. So, so certainly um, an accelerator. We, we help you increase coverage, but I don't, always talk about that as being the advantage because coverage is is only one of many metrics so yes we certainly do increase coverage but there are other things and sometimes more important metrics to to look at that's amazing and that brings me on to my next um question to amiko which is how do you know when you have enough coverage or should prioritize getting more this is a very good question. And uh, the reality is that we don't have a single indicator that can tell us that we have enough tests. It would be very convenient to have uh, a, a number that I can give you and, and knowing that if I hit that number, then I'm done. Um, actually, we have to, um, what we have to do is inspect the code and we have to identify the areas that have higher risk and the areas that have lower risk. And while for the lower risk areas, we can rely on indirect tests to provide coverage, um, for the high risk areas, we really want to make sure that they are well covered. So other than coverage, um, what should developers look at to measure test quality? Well, to measure test quality, there is a metric, there is a technique called mutation testing and it consists in um, introducing mutations. So changing the source code, we could even say um, intentionally adding bugs just to check that um, the tests then fail. If they are not failing, this means that they are returning false positives. They are uh, not good indicators of the correctness uh, of the software behavior. Um, and consequently, the tests are of poor quality. Before joining Finos, I was actually part of um, digital transformation in banking. Um, and TDD was actually something that needed to be improved within um, the actual code that was being written by developers. And educating you know, the advantages of TDD was something that we needed to learn how to do. Um, so how can uh, business leaders improve their understanding of the risks in their code without getting stuck in the detail? So as a business leader, you need to understand how those risks manifest themselves in your final product, in your measurable business outcomes. So how are those risks impacting you financially? How are they impacting your schedule? How are they impacting your quality? and connecting the dots between this deep risk in your code 
and those measurable business outcomes. That's that's really the the crux of the challenge here. So as Enrico mentions, there's um, various metrics that we can look at that are translatable from the depth of the code all the way through to, to those measurable outcomes. So for example, presenting coverage as a metric to a business leader is giving them only one view of risk. So presenting coverage as that one view is providing potentially false confidence because coverage can give you that overwhelming sense of of uh, serenity because when you see that 70% uh, coverage figure as a business leader you feel confident the risk though is in other metrics such as what is not covered and uh, as Enrico talks about mutation testing where coverage is actually not adding value and um, other metrics such as uh, is the code testable um, which is, is telling you is is it actually possible to, to to test this code? So as a business leader, if you look at those uh, metrics altogether, you build up a picture of how confident you should be, not just in your code, but in the data you're being given. Because if those data points contradict each other, that alone is telling you that there is risk, even without going into specific pieces of code to see what that risk looks like at, at, a, at a very deep level. So would you say if your organization kind of measures success um, using metrics, does DiffBlue, you know, help the um, developers, you know, get a positive view of those metrics rather than people introducing almost like false positives to game the system, you know, if that makes sense to you? Sure. So DiffBlue, as well as living on the developer desktop, lives also in the, the CI pipeline. And in the pipeline, we get the full picture of the entire code base every time someone changes the code. So what we can provide to you as a, as a business owner, as well as development uh, engineer, is a view of the changing risk over time. So for example, when you uh, perform a code change um, and you run your build system, you run your CI pipeline, we can actually tell you, have you increased the testability of your code? Have you um, done that in parallel with increasing the quality of, of the tests that have been produced. Um, sorry. No, that, that makes absolute perfect sense. So, so rather than, you know, given a metric that states that this has been tested, you're actually given a three-dimensional picture of the overall state of, you know, your system as it develops over time. Yes, so we're giving the view of the system as it develops over time, but also we're able to suggest improvements that you as a, as a human developer can make to your software uh, to further improve it. So for example, in the case where we can't write a test, we know why a test couldn't be generated. And that may be because the, the code is, is just untestable. So we can actually feed that back to you as a developer and say, um, if you were to add a piece of code here that did this, that would actually make your code more testable. Um, so there's a lot of knowledge that we generate in the process of writing tests that we also present to, to developers um, to really help them get the, the best possible tests. And by best possible, I mean the best quality tests 
um, and, the, and the best, most valuable coverage for those tests. That's amazing. It sounds like um, Diff Blue is also, you know, educating better software engineering practices as well. Um, and does that um, ability actually come from the AI uh, that Diff Blue and Diff Blue Cover is actually using in order to analyze what's being done on the developer IDE uh, and it within systems? Sure. So our uh, main AI engine is looking at the code that you're writing at every individual method and it's it's probing that method to find all the different ways we could test it and ultimately if it's not testable or if we can't generate good inputs to that method then there's a reason and if we struggle to generate inputs then a human developer would also struggle to to generate inputs so what we can do is feed back to that developer and say, in this case, the reason we're unable to write tests is um, that, for example, you're missing what's called an, an observer of a particular uh, class. If you added an observer, we would be able to now write a test, but also you as a human developer would now also be able to write a test. And that's a really great feedback loop that we get from using AI rather than a templated mechanism where we're just uh, could be providing a standard uh, templated unit testing form to, to every method, which we, we don't do. That's fantastic. And um, Enrico, both um, myself and Matt have been talking about AI, um, but in your opinion, is there anything to be worried about when using AI in software development? Right, yes. AIs are uh, opposed to templates, as, as Matt was saying. Um, they are not just giving back a standard answer that is the same all the time, potentially. Uh, DiffBlue has put a lot of effort in making sure that the, the answer is deter deterministic and that every time we perform a certain action, we always get the same result. So everybody knows about the Terminator Skynet analogy of AI. Um, so it'd be really great to kind of separate the difference between you know how diff blue is using ai versus you know the the world ending future scenario that everybody has i mean is are there any risks you know associated with um your use of ai whether you know matt or enrico has an opinion on this so ai is a, a very broad topic covering lots of different techniques if we talk about driverless cars as an example um initially so a driverless car is going to make decisions that are potentially significantly consequential. So in a, in a dangerous situation, how does that car decide what to do? And one of the ethical questions here is, can you actually understand why that driverless car made a particular decision? Can you work back through the steps that it, um, it went through to understand its decision as to, um, to, to really understand the, the cause and effect. And with a driverless car, there's, there's millions of data points um, being input into the system and being able to calculate and to keep that history of the decision is very, very challenging. But ultimately a driverless car is, uh, has to be dynamic and has to be able to make those on the fly uh, risk-based decisions. In our world, in automating software development uh, on our side of uh, AI, 
we don't have the same life-changing decisions to make when we're generating the tests, but we may be generating tests for safety critical code. We may be generating tests for systems that go on to be um, as important as uh, and reliable as a driverless car. So we focus on on ensuring that we can be held responsible for the decision of why we generated a code uh, piece of code in a certain way. So when I say being held responsible so that a developer can see the test that we've produced, understand why we've produced that test that way, and also know that we're going to produce it the same way in the future. So, so it's about being deterministic, um, but we don't always want to generate it the same way because then we're not learning. So we have to balance how are we producing code in a consistent, accountable, responsible way, but also allowing for uh, evolution um, it, and not running away into this, this non-deterministic Skynet type uh, uh, AI vision of the future. It's really, um, it's really amazing to hear, you know, where you actually fit into that puzzle, you know, so uh, where you have the analogy of the driverless car, you know, actually making the decisions. It's really interesting to hear that actually Diff Blue, Diff Blue does sit in, you know, the software development lifecycle potentially of that car, even if you're not making the decisions about what the car is actually doing. Um, it's a really good way to, to describe it. Um, so Enrico, uh, what kind of impact do you think AI-driven testing tools will have on developers? Right. As a developer, I have a very strong opinion about this. Uh, and um, I am very excited and very relieved to know that uh, one of the most tedious parts of my job, which is writing tests, um, can be automated and can be done by an AI. Um, and as I was saying earlier, um, DiffBlue has um, asked a similar question to a wide audience of developers. And uh, what emerged is that many developers find writing tests tedious. And, and so I, I can just assume that this sentiment of being relieved and excited by new and sophisticated tools that automated that, that, that automate these tasks is shared. I totally agree with that. Um, any automation that allows uh, developers to accelerate um, and also you know, create um, an easier and more educational experience is only ever gonna help people, um, especially around test-driven development, you know, which, um, is maybe a, a slightly different way of thinking rather than just getting into coding, you know, shipping a product, you know. Um, so I totally agree with you on that. So Matt, what technologies are supported in your company's software and is there a product roadmap for future compatibility? So today we generate uh, unit tests for Java, as I say, in the IDE and also within the development pipeline. And as a company, we've really built our technology on this foundation of one day supporting other languages. So there's obvious uh, choices of languages that, that would be suitable uh, to, to match our current um, approach. So something like C-sharp is actually very similar to Java in, in the way the language is constructed and in the way the code is executed. So we're looking at supporting um, 
potentially C sharp, um, or do we move on to Python? Do we move on to uh, C++? Python is a very popular language, especially in, in the last few years, we've seen this huge acceleration in the use of Python. Um, but is Python being used in the same sort of business critical functionality way that something like C++ is used? So can we add the most value to Python? Um, or actually is C++ something that, that, um, that our customers would be using on higher risk or for high risk functionality that, that they would benefit from, from extra unit testing on? So um, th this is a difficult decision in front of us is, is where we want to go next. But for the moment, we're perfecting our core technology um, before we move on. Um, and perfecting that technology is about producing better tests and improving the quality of the tests, measuring ourselves. So using um, tools such as uh, mutation testing to make sure that our tests are, are catching regressions. That's how we measure our own um, effectiveness um, and, and increasing the coverage where it's valuable and coming up with really interesting ways of um, generating inputs to tests and automating the the uh, production of um, and conversion of um, larger test suites and, and longer running test suites into to unit tests so the future is certainly exciting uh, there's a lot of choice about where we can we can uh, go next and is there a way that the development community can get in contact with you to help um influence your uh product backlog and you know, kind of add weight to the types of technologies that they would like to see included in the product? Certainly. Um, we, as a small company, we are very agile. We, we, we are guided by our users and, and our community. So the best way to help influence our backlog is to try out the product um, and to really see what it does for yourself and to, to, to come back and say, Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could do uh, to do this thing in this way? Um, and you can contact us through Enrico. Um, and so we have uh, Enrico full time talking to developers, understanding what they would find useful. Or you can come and talk to me directly um, and contact us through uh, through diffblue.com and uh, have a have a chat. So that's amazing. So Enrico, it sounds as if um, we need to embed you in the Finos community um, to get to know a few engineers and you know talk more about um, uh, Diff Blue. Um, so as we move into that um, type of conversation, you know, can developers evaluate Diff Blue software against their current projects? Of course, yes. Uh, for Finos projects, uh, we are providing our CLI tool for free. And all you have to do is just get in touch with us. We have um, a web page uh, set up especially for this, which is diff.blue/finos. And for any other open source project in the world, um, we have a community edition, which is once again free. It's a plugin for IntelliJ, so it can be downloaded from the IntelliJ marketplace and you can start using it right away. Thank you. Uh, that sounds phenomenal. So Matt, can you talk a little bit about DiffBlue's involvement in Finos and what the future looks like? Certainly. So 
as a member of Finos, we are looking to participate in any way that we can be useful. So we're looking for um, people to come and talk to us about your own individual projects, what the challenges you may have with testing, with unit testing in particular, and how we as Diffblue might be able to add value. And that's not just through our product, but also our engineers um, working uh, with you, working in any particular working groups, um, where you're you're looking for some advice about ways to um, to to as I say to Im improve your your testing. Um, so please do feel free to contact us, and um, we'll be looking to join a number of the groups as well. Um, so hopefully you'll see us uh, pop up and and uh, grab us for a, a, a chat anytime. That's amazing. And this has been James McLeod, Finos Director of Community. And I'd like to thank Enrico Trentin, Development Relations Lead, and Matthew Richards, Head of Product at Diff Blue, for joining me on today's Finos podcast. And remember, if you want to learn more about Finos, navigate to finos.org to subscribe to our mailing list and learn about how to get involved with the Finos community. You can also learn about up and coming meetups and events and also uh, future podcasts as well. Also visit github.com forward slash Finos if you're an engineer or a developer wanting to contribute or leverage Finos open source projects. Thank you very much Enrico and Matthew for joining me today. Thank you. So we hope you've enjoyed this interview between Enrico Trenton and Matthew Richards of DiffBlue and James McLeod of Finos. We at Finos want to sincerely thank you for spending your time with us and invite you to connect with our community. Please subscribe to the podcast, join us at finos.org to find out more about the community, follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn, or join our mailing list for weekly updates, and just get involved with this community. Again, this has been your host, Grizz Griswold of Finos. Good day and good night wherever you are.